Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? Well, I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, Saturday Suckage, like it ought to be. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Hi, Mark. Steve, you sent you just sent a perfect tweet to me, which is public, and I would like to read it because I think it's a good place to start here today. You wrote to me, why are the Bulls still playing when we have baseball? Hawks, same question. I'll hang up and listen <laughs> It's such a great question because well, it's like answer. when when baseball starts, it's kind of like, okay, everything just step aside for a second. We'll get back to you, sir, sir, and the, the Bulls. <laughs> we'll get back to you. Right now, we need to focus on the start of baseball because the start of baseball is so wonderfully hyper, and I love it. So it's a great question. Yeah, the Hawks are kind of like, we're going to put you in this route. We're actually going to close the door for a little while, and then we'll, sir... We'll get back to you. So it's a great, great question that you just tweeted me, Steve Rosenblum. Good morning. How are you, good sir? I'm doing. I'm doing fine. I'm. Um, I, I'm here to let you know that the Cubs have a lineup today that is different, and it. That's not the news. The news is that the Cubs have not had their charter revoked 
for what they did to baseball in showing every bad thing in the season opener. They are the Cubs showed on Thursday why baseball needs to be wrecked and ruined and rethunk. Just start over with it because they were. It was just awful. It was just a horrible thing. All those strikeouts by your batters, all those walks by your pitchers, two hits, and it took four hours. There's nothing redeeming about baseball when the Cubs play it. But they have a new lineup today. The White Sox have a new T-shirt that we will get to. But I Suck think it Mark, for Beck. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I never would have imagined it, but their new T-shirt, you betcha. Um, and we are all, I think I speak for all of Saturday Sockage when I say, maybe all of Chicagoland, we are all the Yerminator today. Wasn't that a great thing? Isn't that just Pretty amazing. Wonderful... Yeah. I, and I, I have to admit, I missed his fifth hit of the night. I called it. I called it in my place last night after the Yasmani Grandal two-run double to left because that was an ex- – I was like, okay, that's it. Sox are going to win this game. So then, obviously, Mercedes, I read, gets a two-run single after that. But that game last night, other than your mean Mercedes, which was absolutely fantastic, and he is eligible to be a theme of the show today. However – there were like 12 things that happened in that game. Somebody once said that baseball is made for sports talk radio. It is because of the tons of things that went down last night from yep. from a bad error to Tony LaRusso's kind of ballsy decisions at one point in time to put a second guy on base before bringing in his closer in the eighth inning. I mean, there were just tons of things that went down in that game last night. And so it was from just an objective sports talk radio perspective, it was a delicious 12-8 win for the White Sox over the Angels last night. Your mean Mercedes, who was, you know, some thought was questionable to make the team, and rightly so. The, uh, the went five for five. <laughs> and it's just, it's remarkable the way this played out. He was, he showed everything that the Cubs cannot do, that everything that, that a lot of major league players cannot do. He's a tremendous two-strike hitter. He, re- I mean, he's, he just, he's just was whatever the hack is, whatever he needs to do, he goes, he goes after a baseball and hits it like that. So, he's the first guy in the modern, the only player besides legendary Cecil Travis, who had five hits and in, in the modern era to have five hits in his first career start. Mercedes is the first player to go five for five in his first career start. So. This early in the season, that being game two, the White Sox five hit games within the first two games of the season start with now include Yermin Mercedes and Nelly. I like how you're leaning into the Yermin, like you just learned how to pronounce it correctly. Well, we want to give him his due. That's that's no, I I appreciate it because we're gonna we as a collective sports town are gonna be all over butchering that name, and you are correct to say Yermin. Yermin Mercedes had five hit game in the second of the season. Also in 1959, Nellie Fox did it. So that's oh, the Nelly. company he's giving. And by the way, the White Sox in 1959 got to the World Series. So there it is. There's your fate. There's your sign. Stevie Sunshine. Destiny. And here's the best. Here's the best stat to come out of it. Yermin Mercedes earns five hundred seventy thousand dollars. Five hundred dollars. 
570-500. Wow. And he has a three-hit lead over the Cubs' entire $150 million roster. Suck it for Beck. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, well, do the Sox have two sacrifice flies yet? (laughs) No less. They don't. Yeah, they Cubs, do have a hey, new hey, lineup. Hey, Cubs walked 11, not 12, Steve. 11, yeah, okay? That's You're true. acting like that's, they walked 12. That's true. Um, Cubs have a new lineup against left-hander Tyler Anderson. The Lay it Pittsburgh on me. lefty who sported, sported an 11.76 ERA last year. So we will take you up to the Zach Zabman pregame show, and he will take you up to Pat and Ron calling Cubs baseball at 120 on these very... 670 the score airwaves. Your leadoff hitter is catcher Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Okay. Your yeah. second hitter is interim third baseman Chris Bryant. Ooh. I should say interim Ooh. Cub. And there goes interim. the sunshine. Yeah. Well, he is because look, the Cubs the Cubs quit on you when they traded Darvish. Everything else is totally. just waiting for the other the other cleat. To drop, right? And when they got Peterson, it was like, oh my God, we got Peterson. Well, look, he he wants to come here. Cool. Right. I'd rather have William Peterson, but as far as that's going to carry into the World Series, but uh, your third hitter is Anthony Rizzo, your first baseman, and your number four hitter is the temporary shortstop Javier Baez. So of the of the three. Of the three, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, um, sign, trade, and I don't know what else. Isn't Rizzo the one likely to get signed? Bryant like more likely to get traded, and Baez, you don't know. That's the way I yeah. have it. I yeah, don't know what the I, third one should be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it had looked like, based on what Rizzo was saying, that Rizzo might have been thrown in the pile of mystery as well. But based on what Jed Hoyer said... That tells me what I needed to know, that that was just Rizzo negotiating and the Cubs threw it back in Rizzo's court. So, yeah, I do believe that. And Rizzo should be here long term. And and for me, it has nothing to do, well, maybe a little bit to do with the nostalgia and his leadership abilities and what he symbolizes. But it's more that I think there's just a lot of really good baseball left for Anthony Rizzo. I think there's five, six years of good left and slug in that bat. And we know he's a good defensive player and he's a guy who's never depended on supreme athleticism to be good. So I, I look at it more, you know, everybody seems to talk about the symbolism and all of that in the background or backstage things. To me, it's, it's about 90% about baseball with Rizzo. Baez is very, very complicated in a big time shortstop, market coming up in the in the offseason one of those shoes obviously dropped in new york with the mets so i don't know if that hurts or helps his cause at this point did that lindor signing tell you we need a new billionaire to own the cubs if they they're gonna they're gonna keep that guy around and 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 steve cohen says yeah this is the guy we want we're gonna agree on something we're going to do what billionaires should be doing. Because our fans yeah. have a right to say that. Yeah, I mean, he was even th- having fun with it on Twitter. Say, hey, what do you think <laughs> about this deal we threw out there to Francisco Lindor? 
Yeah. Yeah. It, to yeah. me, it's going to be like, as far as Cubs ownership and Cubs, you know, Jed Hoyer and whomever is making the money decisions over there. Obviously, this is the buy year, but we'll see what happens next year. And <laughs> if the buy year, it is. This is like their buy. This is like their. This is the red shirt season. This is Jed's red shirt season as GM and president. It is. It is because oh I have heard more than anything the rationale for the Cubs winning is because the rest of the division sucks, and that's right. no that's way it. to rationalize right. winning. And it, so it's kind of like the whole yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. division kind of sucks. We might win this year, but if we don't, we totally get it. We've got guys you know like jock peterson who might end up being one of the the more potent players on the cubs this year under a you know one-year deal and then you have one pitcher that i know is good in kyle Hendricks, even if he didn't show it in game one so yeah this is the this is the buy year and then next year next off season then we'll see that if if they don't start putting the money back into the ball club in terms of paying players, whether it's by extensions or signing a whopper free agent in the offseason, then then it could be full on complaint. Wouldn't Jock Peterson be a perfect sign and flip player? How long would you sign him? No, no, they already signed him, but now they flipped him. Oh, now they flipped him oh, the oh you're saying Isn't like... he the guy to flip when you're... Oh, when you, oh, oh because, I thought you meant extend you know you, him. By the way, let me back up Of course, up he's a great sign what and you, flip guy, of course. What you sounded like with, oh. when you're making your point that the best argument for the Cubs is that division sucks, and it sounded just like the way you were imitating Jim Hendry being <laughs> so surprised. <laughs> but it, but that's true. It's like, uh-huh. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys think you could win that? Sure. Yeah. What the hell? Why not? <laughs> we never thought yeah. about. Never hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right. But no, you're right. So, Absolutely. To your point. Yes. Jock Peterson, a would be of course if, once the trade deadline rolls around and he's productive, and if the Cubs are not near the top or it doesn't appear that they would be able to win the division, hundred percent. Okay, and bat, so he's batting fifth. You're. You're, he's starting against a left-hander, Tyler Anderson. Love that 11.76 ERA. That'll that could pump up your left-handed, your stats off left-handed pitchers. He's batting fifth. Batting sixth is Jake Marisnik playing center field, patrolling oh. center field. That's what I should say. Jake. And batting behind him is the left-handed hitting Jason Hayward. Batting seventh. Batting eighth. David Bodie, Bodie McBoatface, is playing second base. Rhymes with Grody. And your starting pitcher today, together again for the first time, this time, Jake Arietta. The fear, I, I think, I, is that Jake Arietta is going to be a better hitter than he is a pitcher for the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. There hasn't been a lot of good in Arietta recently, except for the start he had with the Phillies. Remember that when Darvish was struggling badly with the Cubs and Arietta yes. was thriving and everybody was losing their minds in Cubs Nation, and justifiably so because it had looked like the Cubs picked the wrong guy. But ultimately, I think that Darvish wins it by an inch. Well, no, I mean, based on the season he had last year, I, I guess the Cubs did win that trade. But I am looking forward to Arietta because right now, again, Cubs have one starter that if the Cubs were to make the playoffs, if if they did because the rest of the division sucks and the Cubs made the playoffs, he's he's <laughs> the only guy that is a playoff starter on the in that Cubs rotation right now. Wait, Arietta? 
No, Hendricks. Did Hendricks, I say Arietta? Right. Well, Arietta yeah, started to play out. Yeah, he'd have to. Have I meant Hendricks. I meant. Um, I'm just saying, like we know, Arietta had what he has done, what he has done in the postseason, especially yeah, against looked, the Pirates in 2015. But that ain't him. But he right? has looked. He has looked done as a. He went. It, the record doesn't matter. He was under 500 as Phillies, but his ERA was 4.36, three-year, 75 million dollar deal. 4.36 was his ERA. And as you said, imagine what his ERA would be if he hadn't posted that 0.90 ERA in his first five starts. There you go. Uh, or not his first five, but five starts in May when he was all of a sudden looking like he was going to pants the Cubs. And suddenly, yeah. I mean, imagine where that goes. I mean, you look at his number. Maybe they've found something. Arietta sure wants to talk like it. And maybe... The standing ovation he'll get today when he walks out there and, and all that kind of stuff helps being familiar. And maybe the Cubs are innovative without cheating the way the Astros did by just putting stuff on the ball. Or maybe Jake's putting stuff on the ball again, and he's really good like all the other pitchers are. But his whip has gone from when he's 129 with the Phillies, his first year with the Phillies, 1.29, to 1.47 to 1.51. His barrel percentage went from 5.0 to 6.3 to 7.8. Both of those just rocketing up there while a Philly. His ERA, 396, 464, last year, 508. So everything's getting worse. Everything did get worse. They, they're trying to sell you... They're trying to sell you. Before they used to sell you sunshine. Now they want to sell you group hugs. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I will say it's a what a one-year deal with an option. So I don't think the Cubs are in this case are trying to sell anybody anything. I think they know that this is the classic flyer on a player. As much nostalgia as goes into it for fans, yeah. that this they know they know that this is not the old Jake Arrieta, and it's a classic case of a. Starting pitcher in Major League Baseball trying to have a second life when his velocity drops. Every pitcher's velocity eventually drops, and it's I think it's as simple as that. This side of any kind of injuries for him, he has gone from throwing 95 to 98 to throwing you know 92 on it on a good fastball, maybe a little bit higher. But that's like a real thing that he has to adjust to. And if he does, you know, if he really is truly picking the brain of Kyle Hendricks and uh, you you know pick a name on in that Cubs rotation then then maybe there is a second life but it's you know it's wait and see and that's why I'm actually looking forward to watching him today. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We have um, action on the text line. Jim Henry would have given Peterson a no trade clause from Peoria Matt. Actually, he said Henry <laughs> as opposed to Henry, and maybe both of them would have. And sure. uh, 312 texter Ricketts is the new sports villain in Chicago. Nah, I really don't. I really don't think so. I think, you know, the, the whole McCaskey family, they're as villainous as it gets because they've been enabled. They've enabled the stupidity of Ted Phillips and Ryan Pace. The tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. That number is 312-644-6767. That's also the same phone number on which we don't get phone calls to our call-in radio show. We will Correct. be here till 1245, in which case we will turn it over to Zach Zabeman. Cubs pregame will be there. 
and that will be followed by the Cubs Pirates, Jake Arrieta, who you really wanted to work. I mean, it's not only a great story. You want him because he he was such he's such a major a major character in in the biggest part of Cubs history. Yes. But he looks he looks bitching. He looks tough. He's yep. he's you know the the Marlboro Man who does Pilates, and you were describing that Pilates, you know, <laughs> he's grunting and sweating while they're trying to carry on a news conference. That's so yeah. Good. He's just like, don't worry, hey guys, just do it. You know, Jake's sitting there doing Pilates in this tiny little <laughs> interview room, and he's just like, don't worry about me, guys. You know. Yeah. Is it cool if we ask questions about you, Jake? Yeah, well, uh, top of the hour, we'll talk to uh, Megan Montemurro. Uh, she covers the Cubs for the Tribune. She um, she did a piece on Fergie Jenkins coming home again, appropriate to the Jake Arrieta thing. And we'll see if she is surprised that the Cubs are actually being allowed to play a second game after the way they ruined <laughs> baseball seemingly forever in game one. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, as Stifler alluded to, the White Sox have a T-shirt that is very near and dear to some of the mocking that has gone on on this show on Saturday Suckage. And it's very appropriate, and it seems to be organic and player-driven, and that makes this whole thing so good, so good. So we will talk about, we will do what talk radio is supposed to do when you have a Sox game, as you said, Mark, a Sox game like last night, all that's good, that's bad, and maybe they will... They'll tell Adam Eaton that the game is now in Oakland, and they, they he won't. dropped the ball. Yeah, oh my God, he ramped around that thing. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll do Saturday suckage, just what we do. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy, the score. One two. He struck him out, and the White Sox win twelve to eight. Your mean Mercedes. He had one hit, he kept the ball. He got an RBI, he kept the ball. He might as well just pack up the entire game and keep this for himself. Also, before we start, I want to start just showing off the shirt. I don't know if it's back to front or not, but it says the pen is mightier. So, just uh, things that we all threw today, so I may as well throw it in there. And, uh, of course, the... Got to work on that sponsorship. That was Jason Benetti. Wrapping up the Yerminators game. Yerminator. And then Liam Hendricks, the Sox closer. Suddenly he's going an inning and a third. First outing for the White Sox, inning and a third. And he was on it was on St. Patrick's Day. He's looking for sponsorship. They are selling these t-shirts. I was not aware of it then. I'm aware of it now because last night after the game, Mark, Evan Marshall tweeted out the pen is mighty hashtag socks win with a gif with a gif whatever it is of suck it trebek <laughs> suck it trebek mr connery yeah. why don't you pick a category i've got to ask you about the penis mightia <laughs> That's that's the pen is mightier. Gushy it up however you want, Trebek. What matters is, does it work? So that's what that's what Sox relievers have done 
The pen is mighty, and the T-shirt features Aaron Bummer, Evan Marshall, and Liam Hendricks, black hats and sort of outlines the, the rough character, rough caricatures, with their their upper their busts, I guess if they were if this were Hall of Fame, their upper body over the Jeopardy drawings of the Jeopardy with their names and their scores and their numbers are below that. So they're at the Jeopardy lecterns and as if they were on stage and the top of the shirt says, the pen is mighty. The pen is mightier. Yeah, you can get that. You can get that because they, they are, they are selling them on T public for 20 bucks. And the bullpen has itself game starting with, I mean, I just love the idea that they're, they're embracing this and we've always loved the whole celebrity jeopardy thing. It's just been such a touch point for us. And here's your, your white Sox, your white Sox bullpen, believing the penis mighty. The day is mine, Trebek. Right. So good. So, so good. All of a sudden you have, and that was a thing. Michael Kopech, like we all, everybody wondered. Everybody had questions. What was, what was it going to be coming back from surgery? Coming back from sitting out? Coming back from from his 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 um, mental and emotional um, struggles, fights, whatever he was dealing with. And here you go. Here's 33 pitches, 21 for strikes, and he hit 99.4, and he hit 99 regularly. And he struck out Mike Trout. <laughs> Have yourself a debut. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, strikes out three along the way. Did have the one walk, which ultimately was Trout, right? That he walked. So he struck out Trout and walked Trout. Is that right? That was the first guy that he faced in his third inning. And that was the point at which he came out of the game. But yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what you wanted to see out of Michael Kopech in his first game in forever. And the... The bullpen, the, the terrific work by the bullpen was started by Matt Foster and ruined by Adam Eaton. Yes. Matt Foster certainly deserved better because he came in and Dallas Keiko goes out there and Dallas Keiko goes, oh, you got two guys on and Tony decides, well, let's put this young reliever in a position that is just going to hurt. So he strikes out Shohei Otani, who would later homer off um, Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Foster strikes out Mike Trout. So there's looking. Yeah. Two on, nobody out, to two on, two out. The heart of the order, here's Anthony Rendon, and he gets Rendon on a fly ball to right that would be catchable for a right fielder with any kind of speed that Adam Eaton has, and a glove, and Adam Eaton has it. And he channels his inner Brant Brown, and he drops it. He dropped the ball! And two-run scoring, you go. And there, there was a clip I saw of Matt Foster. I don't know that there were lips to read, but there certainly was a thought bubble that you knew was was <clears throat> uh, not allowed to be said on radio or the TV. And then Matt Foster re- regroups and strikes out Justin Upton. I mean, that was a tremendous, tremendous example of the way this White Sox bullpen can just come at you. And yep. I thought it was, I, I thought that was, that was the thing that he, he certainly deserved better. 
Well, I, I see your fifth inning, and let me now raise you <laughs> a Sox eighth inning and the decision that Tony La Russa made. The White Sox okay. at this point are up 7-6, to six, and there is a runner on. La Russa, ha- Evan Marshall pitching. He has Evan Marshall walk Albert Pujols, who had hit a three-run homer in the game against Dallas Keuchel, and La Russa very familiar with mm-hmm. pool holes because he played for him, so he's got ultimate, maybe more respect than other managers would have for Albert Poolholes, and he puts puts him on. So you know that's not always the move that a manager put, putting extra guys on base. Then he brings in Liam Hendricks, his closer, right? So Hendricks' job is to get Iglesias out. And I thought, my God, I, I don't know if that stopped your breath when Iglesias whacked it out to, to deep center field. I thought that that was going to be trouble, but it worked. And I think I think I liked it. I think I liked the, the strategy in that case, the idea of bringing in who, I guess, the blueprint is that Liam Hendricks is your best reliever in that bullpen, and and I get that there would be an argument for that, but he is your guy. He is your he's your money man. He's your closer. Bring him in in the biggest spot of the game, and it worked. I, I sometimes wonder when. I, first of all, Larusa's got a reputation of being able to read, handle, and manipulate a bullpen. That seems to be what whatever he used in a previous life. That's what he could do. He seems to be showing that he can do that now, and he's not reluctant to go to different players. And part of the prism through which he did that, I would imagine, are maybe twofold. Maybe this reliever doesn't know what he's capable of. I'm going to show him. Go out there. I give you the ball. You're going to go out and get outs when I tell you to get outs. And some relievers may not think. It may disabuse people of saying, the, the closer is supposed to pitch the ninth inning. Don't put him in any other position. No, the closer is supposed to close however many outs it takes. Some pitchers may not think they're capable of it, and maybe there was a message sent to other pitchers, you do what I need you to do when I need you to do it. And the other part of it is this. he's used The bullpen was in play a lot in the first two games, seemingly in play a lot. When you come out of spring training, everybody's worried about how fit they are. And the prism through which he may have been doing that is that today he has the guy who led the league in innings pitched starting for him. He led the majors, in fact. Lance Lynn led the majors in innings pitched, and he's a guy who pitched into the seventh inning on average last year. Suddenly, your bullpen doesn't look as ragged if Lance Lynn is Lance Lynn, if he's the guy the Cubs, uh, the the White Sox brought in. I wonder if that's part of it. Whatever it is, it worked. They got a win yesterday, and that was the only game they could win was yesterday's game. Yeah, no, that, that could be. I hadn't thought about it that deeply, but that that does make sense that you have one of your horses, or maybe your best horse in terms of duration, going today. And yeah, I mean, and, and Keuchel, he started to struggle a little bit. I mean, he, he did give up the, the three-run homer to Albert Pujols, and then allowing those first two men to get on in the fifth inning before Matt Foster came in and did what he did. So, plus, it's like, I think, too, that since you have this terrific bullpen, or at least on paper it is, it's it's a great chance to, indeed, as much as starters are going to hate it, probably, 
you know, you could limit. You don't have to overwork your starters as long as the bullpen is doing what it is supposed to do. And if this is going to be a playoff team, you can preserve arms for later in the season already. You know, tell Nick Madrigal to stop sucking defensively along with Adam Eaton. Oh, my God. The the Sox have scored. I'm sorry. The Sox pitchers have allowed 12 runs. Five of them have been unearned because of crappy defensive play. I don't know that. And Nick Madrigal is not is not between last year and the regular season, the short in, the, in game two in the playoffs last year, and then now you, you, the season was one game old and he was he was playing with a lead glove. It's just it's just not what they said he would be. I don't know how much how many other failings he will show, but that's. That will help your pitching staff. You won't use your relievers if you can just. Didn't we hear a lot about their defense? They're going to be good defense, or is it just? Does Does Louis Robert have to play second base now too? <laughs> yeah, you know, and and then Abreu got hit up with an error last night too on the. I think it was the Shohei Otani. What I thought was a triple. I never saw. I don't know if you did. I don't think they ever showed a good angle on the replay. Like they showed the replay, but they did like the close up thing where they just show the hitter and you can't really see the fielder no. unless I missed it. I never saw the replay. I have no idea if that was actually an error on Abreu on the what I thought was an Otani triple, but it was turned into an error. I wouldn't be surprised if that changes today. I, did you see? Sport. I mean, did they show a replay? Did I, I, did I, never, I miss something? I never know. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just thinking, okay. you know, first thought, it's like, wow, really? Oh, okay. Um, I'd like to see more. Maybe they did. They can, maybe got other angles. But um, be, I, we haven't talked about this because we like to do our production shows, our production meetings on the air. Yeah. So what Mark heard, we have a shorter show. We get snipped at 1245. We have a shorter show. What Mark heard, there was lots going on this week, I would imagine. So there was, and here is it will be what Mark Kerr will be dominated by the Bears, just because I figured that would be a good chance for us to talk about the Bears. But there is one Joe Madden cut that I would love to hear your reaction to, Steve Rose. All right, if we have to spread it in the next hour, we'll do that too. But I think next we'll do what Mark heard because I think it's it's critical that we hear just how the the Bears general manager is being enabled to piss all over the fans the way the the management upper management of Ted Phillips and George McCaskey were were doing that. So, we'll get to that. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. It's time for What Mark Heard. Let's find out in this action-packed week what Mark heard. Mark Rohde, all you. We had not heard from the Bears general manager, Ryan Pace, since the signing of Andy Dalton. We had a chance to Zoom with Pace and head coach Matt Nagy yesterday, of which I was a part. And here is a question for Ryan Pace. What went into the decision to not bring him back? There's a lot of factors, and there's there's uh, multiple people involved in that. And you know, at the end of the day, we want to get better in uh, in different areas of our team, and uh, uh, that's one of the areas of our team where we feel like uh, we're improving. You know, I I, I, I that wasn't very clear cut, was it, Steve? 
<laughs> no, but you know what? I don't that, know. That, that's not the cut they, I thought it was. I know, but that serves as a perfect example of how Ryan Pace has been enabled by that dope George McCaskey and the idiot Ted Phillips to just piss on Bears fans and insult their intelligence. Wow. Um, He's just saying okay. nothing. Let, let me what? let me try another cut. Um, okay. All right. Sorry about that. No. Dalton's... All right, so let, let's... Okay. I think one of the big questions was, this is one of my questions. I didn't specifically ask this one. I asked the same question to Matt Nagy later, but what was top of mind for me was that... Andy Dalton, when we Zoomed with him, came on and said, yeah, I was told that I am the number one starter on the Bears, which which surprised me. Let's hear from Ryan Pace. Hopefully, this is a little bit more clear to you and everybody listening. Um, wh- why is he the number one Ryan Pace? With Nick already under contract for you, what set him apart as the clear-cut QB1 for you? Andy, I just think, you know, as we go through it again, just, just the, the fit with the offense – the leadership that he provides, again, his decision making. Really, when you look back, you know, over the years, I thought this year, you know, over the last five years, this was Andy's uh, best uh, completion percentage over the last five seasons. So, again, we have we have background with him also um, as you go through it, and I just think he's a, he's a good fit for our offense. So, I, I would say the fit. The fit. It is the fit for Andy Dahl. So that act, it wasn't exactly an expansive answer on what Andy Dalton brings to the Bears and why he is the undisputed number one quarterback. Okay. So he had his highest completion percentage of his career at 64.9% last season in nine starts. He averaged, he, he averaged a, a 6.3% percent yard, 6.3 yards per attempt that's worse than Mitch Trubisky his completion percentage was based on throwing sideways he had a better running back and a better number one receiver than Mitch Trubisky did he Ryan Pace is just treating you like an idiot and and he's using incomprehensibly bad statistics to talk about I mean, the, the guy had a worse quarterback rating than Mitch Trubisky and this is the guy they brought in and gave the starting job to. It, it's incomprehensibly stupid. And that's what I don't he's... think. Yeah, I don't think Andy Dalton is a bad quarterback. I really don't. I, I think he is average, sometimes below average, sometimes above average. So I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's going to embarrass himself. It's just, this is two things. It's relative to what we thought might happen at quarterback that there could be a big splash. And then the fact too, that it was, that he was named the starter that, that leaves out all hope of potentially improving or, you know, obviously the bears probably will draft somebody somewhere and it, it, it becomes that dreadful. It is what it is scenario that, that he is the quarterback and it's not, <laughs> necessarily ideal but i don't think the guy's a bad quarterback it's insulting to bears fans i mean you're, you're getting this from the guy who 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 scouted mike glennon who scouted mitch trubisky who scouted nick Foles. and but that's just it he's bet i mean this is not this is not a mike he is so much better than mike glennon i do think he's better 
than Mitch Trubisky in terms of what he has accomplished on the overall. So I understand the disappointment and who he is relative to what Bears fans wanted, but I don't think he's a joke. You know what I'm saying? You okay. don't agree, do you? Okay. All right. Um, no, I just, I, you know, the, the idea, I still, you know what's still ringing in my ears? This is really angering me. And, and I feel bad for Bears fans, and Bears fans should be angry too. Ted Phillips coming on and saying, did we get the quarterback, that, that self-inflicted Q&A he ran with himself? The, the, did we get the quarterback position exactly right? I mean, he just farted in the face of fans. Exactly. He used the word exactly. What an insulting word. Have we got close. the quarterback situation completely right? No. Completely right. <laughs> no. Completely. Um, yeah. Not completely. completely. You're not. How close, how close are you to that? How close are you to getting completely right with Glennon, Trubisky, and Foles and having such disastrous results at the most important position. And now you're letting the guy who made all three of those decisions make the next decision. And it's just, it's insulting to fans. And and Ted enables it, and George enables Ted. It's like, how can you have any faith in this? All right, you need a little break right now from the Bears. <laughs> because... <laughs> sir, 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 please. I'm here. All right. I'm here. So... Okay, so now I'm looking at a text message that is is appropriate for the next cut I'm going to play. From the, the 630, somebody texts in the score, I liked the napalm that Joe threw at Theo. The That reference is what you are about to hear. Joe Madden, the former Cubs skipper, is now the Angels manager. He was on with Lawrence Holmes this week. Steve? Take a listen to this. Well, there's a freedom involved, too. Um, um, just honestly, when, when you have a GM that really permits you to do your job and uh, really, really does. Uh, there's a, I've always talked to you about uh, giving uh, freedom to the players. Uh, the more freedom given, the greater respect and discipline return. The same thing holds true from a front office down to the field level, too. When you feel that freedom to do your job uh, where there's not going to be constant interference or noise coming from top to bottom after a game, or even prior to a game. Um, it, it really, it, it, um, it makes it a lot more fun. And, and I think with that, uh, you can have an openness about it that um, I think our players have already responded to it. I know our coaching staff, I'm just sitting in on meetings with these guys who never spoke or are speaking now. And that's, that's a perfect indicator uh, of the freedom that they're feeling to be themselves. And that's when you're going to get the best or most out of all of these guys. And I think that's what's going on here right now. Man, Joe Madden, all about freedom, and he could not have been more. Well, I guess he could have been a little bit more transparent and actually used Theo Epstein's name. But you hearing the shot caller in there, Steve? Oh yeah, yeah. You you can go yeah. ahead and do that, and, and and I will respond by Joe Madden got to handle his bullpen in Game Six of Seven, and he almost cost the Cubs a World Series. <laughs> That's true. Ooh, all yes. right, Joe, you got to you got to do what a manager does, and you almost uh-huh. cost your team. The World uh, Series. You did everything you could to lose it. They were just better. Not only better than, were the Cubs players better than the Indians, they were better than their own manager. And, by the way, if you're selected by a general manager who won two World Series in Boston, I would just show the proper respect and think that he was doing the right thing by by 
having you have all the tools at your disposal to make the right decisions. And he didn't know enough to get, in game six, he didn't know enough to get his Chapman out of there in the ninth inning and Rizzo homeward. I'm just saying. How many joke, how many levels how many levels of irony are there that there were negative consequences for Joe mm-hmm. Madden after winning the World Series? It's such a great point you make. Do you think that that's the point at which Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer tightened things up on Joe Madden? That there were consequences for the Cubs winning the World Series that weren't I, I, positive. I do. I think that's a really good point. I think that's, and I never looked at it through that prism that that that's when they there are probably more meetings after that because you could hear there was a there was a cut I remember heard or an answer Theo gave about being not wanting to be results oriented, being process oriented, and Joe was all results oriented. Every time he, when he got questioned about his handling near botching of the of the pitching staff, it was we won the World Series, but that's not. That's not the way it works, and that's certainly not the way Theo thinks. That's not the way Jed thinks. And I do think that it it became heavier and heavier and heavier for Joe, and there were more meetings, and they wanted to try to madden-proof the decisions. I do believe you're right. I think that that's, there was more of that. That is fascinating. All right, we got. Let's do. Let's. All right, are you ready to get back to the Bears, Steve? Can we do this now? Have you learned your lesson? Okay. Are you are you capable? I, Man, I, I feel like. Not, a, I just I won't use naughty words that get bleeped on the radio. Okay. I would, but it, the Bears make me so angry. I can't, I cannot believe that these these idiots are still in charge and that they're playing right. the Bears fans for stupid. I, 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 Steve, I don't know that you're ready. I, I you just you, you, you said you were, and now there you go throwing throwing out mean names again. All right. Uh-huh. Um, I think that there was a, there was some practical questions that had to be asked here other than Andy Dalton, and. The Bears lost one of their best defensive players in Kyle Fuller. Ryan Pace explains what was going on with the loss of Kyle Fuller, who ultimately signed with Vic Fangio in Denver. How difficult has it been to uh, juggle the salary cap stuff? I have to imagine as the season ended, releasing Kyle Fuller probably wasn't on the list of things that you were hoping to accomplish. Yeah, Brad, you you knew as we went into it, just the type of offseason it was going to be. And, uh, we knew what we were going to be in for. Um, you know, we knew we were going to have to make some tough decisions. And, and really, you know, guys, you saw this throughout the league. You know, some teams releasing multiple starters. Every team had hard, hard decisions to make. Uh, really, in a year where projection with a cap, there's almost a $30 million difference spread of where we projected it to be. And this is the unfortunate part of it. And again, I think as you look throughout the whole NFL, um, teams were dealing with this. Teams were having to make hard decisions. Um, with us, you know, came down to, to really one player. But, you know, we plan these things far in advance. There's a lot of people involved in those decisions. We always have contingency plans in place. And, you know, we wish Kyle nothing but the best. Those are those are hard moves uh, that we have to make uh, in order to uh, construct our team. Yeah, saves the $11 million in cap space. And right now the guy's lining up for the position to compete, I would say, in this order, Desmond Trufant, Artie Burns. I would have no problem. Well, I'd have less problem if you're sacrificing a Pro Bowl cornerback because it made you that much better on offense in an offensive league. But I haven't seen any evidence that Ryan Pace is capable of that. So this is 
this is again, as you see the once great defense slip away and you see shards of it flying everywhere and you see blood being spilled, that it is not the defense it used to be. I don't see that it being, I don't see the bandages on the offense coming. Am I missing so something? Jalen Johnson will have to be like the Luis Robert of the. He has to cover it all. No, no. I, I who's who makes the offense better to make up for a defense that is slipping away when you when that window. It's not just the window is closing; it's the sills coming down on Ryan Pace's head, and they're just going to be more blood splattered everywhere. And Bears fans are just going to stand there and go, "We we knew this. How come Ted and George didn't know this?" And that's what. I, again, how has the offense gotten better to overcome the loss of Kyle Fuller? It hasn't. Right. No, there, there's okay. not been. Yeah, I mean, right right now, you know what, yeah. Steve, you're right because right now you the you're depending on guys that are already there to get better. That's it. All right. Well, well, let's let's see if Jake Arrieta might get a little better. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will. We'll talk Cubs with uh, Cubs beat writer Megan Montemuro of the Tribune. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.